Welcome back to Mages and Murder Dads, the best show dedicated to the Baldur's Gate franchise and beyond. I'm Cameron, and I play TickleVar the Sorcerer. And I am Danny, and I play Balthazar the Barbarian. This is episode 36, and today we're going to Soldaneselar. Say that three times fast. Soldaneselar, Soldaneselar, Soldaneselar. Well, can you spell it three times fast? I can't spell it normally. Mm, I can't spell it one time fast. <laughs> we're getting we're getting so close. This is a uh, uh, I feel like I say that at the beginning of every episode. Uh, so it's kind of like Zeno's paradox. Remember when we left uh, Candlekeep and you said we're getting so close, y'all? Oh Christ, that was <laughs> forty eight million years ago. <laughs> that was right after an asteroid flopped into the Earth. Yeah. At maximum force, and then we began Baldur's Gate 1. Mm-hmm. It was 72 weeks ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I will say, let me give you this comparative, and and uh, I guess as a plug for some other people. So uh, in our Patreon podcast, I think I mentioned last time that I'm reading Gene Wolfe's Shadow of the Torturer book. Mm. And I think you purchased that book recently as well. I did. But... Uh, so I started listening to a podcast. This is a reread for me. I've read this book in the past, and uh, it's called uh, Alzebo Soup. I'll put it in the in the uh, description. But I say all of that to say that they are reading the Book of the New Sun, four books. You know that makes one giant novel, and they read it about five pages per hour. So. Th- when you say they read it five pages per hour, as they're, it's kind of like they read it and then they can reconvene and mm-hmm. talk about it. Mm-hmm. And over the course of an hour, they will get through five pages. In the first episode, they made it through chapter one, which is, I believe, five pages. That's great. Yep. That's so it's going to take them like years and years and years. So there's at least one podcast that is going to operate at a slower rate than Mages mm-hmm. and Murder Dads. You never know. We might get real slow and throw in a ball. Oh, yeah, just fight by fight. Absolutely. No, just click by click. Oh, my God. I feel (laughs) Mm -hmm. like I'm playing some of the fights in this episode click by click. Mm -hmm. So it won't surprise me if I'm, like, auto-pausing in between rounds. Mm. As much as I don't want to do that uh, in Throne of Ball. Mm. Also, one prediction I think you made a long time ago when you were saying, I don't know if Solo Barbarian will work. At the end of this game, there are dragons, Danny. There are dragons and fire giants. And I think all. I'm wrong. There are fire giants. That's true. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten to those yet, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. No, we yeah. haven't. Yeah. We shall see, but thus far, we'll talk about it, but thus far, hasn't really been working out. So uh, I usually give the synopsis. How did we get here? How did well, we get to where we are in the story right now? We gotta say our whole other thing. We gotta say you gotta like and subscribe. You gotta hit the little thumbs up on the thing. You gotta subscribe to the the video content we make. You gotta follow us on Twitter. You gotta like us on Facebook. You gotta leave comments that we like to read. You can go join us on our Discord and and learn about tabletop role playing games that we you talk can about do endlessly. One of those things. You can do a combination of some of those things. Um, but we all know there's a part of you deep deep inside that wants to do all of those things and to contribute to our patreon that's also a part of you you can listen to a whole other show where we talk about other things we've got well over two hours of just talking a good 
30 minutes of that's just Pumpkinhead. Just basically me telling you the plot of Pumpkinhead. Yeah, that was. Last I, I listened to that and I realized I I really went granular there, didn't I? I edited some of it out too. <laughs> <laughs> so gives you a sense of where we were. Mm-hmm. In the same way, that the last episode of Mages and Murder Dads, I edited out quite a lot of uh, talking about the specific locations of plus four and plus five weapons mm. for defeating Kangax, mm-hmm. which was helpful at the time, but did not make for great listening. Sure. Um, well, so how we got here, mm-hmm. all of that said, Lord in heaven, we went to the the drow, we went to the Underdark, drow town, we came out of drow town, we were told that Irenicus had taken over uh, Soldanesilar, which is an ancient hidden elven city, and he mm-hmm. kicked a bunch of elves out, and then he hid the city again. He double hid the city. Oof. So we had, we had to go... Back to Athkotla to get the Ren Lanthorn, which is some fantasy bullshit that I don't even understand at this point still, even after multiple people in multiple different commenting locations have explained it to me. Even after seeing it in action. Yeah, I don't, I still don't get it. But anyway, so uh, Bodhi had it. We killed Bodhi, finally. Uh, Imowen got her soul back, thankfully. Uh, and then the now we're here. So the beginning of this episode is... Giving the Rin Lanthorn to someone. Elon. To Elon Musk. So that he can finally make that damn hyperloop yeah. and get me to Chicago in three hours. Or Sundalesinar. Or Sundalesinar. That's right. That's right. Um, but so, so yeah, so this episode opens with me trying to figure out where the hell Elon is because I forgot. Mm. Trying to like click around the map to find him. Did you and end then, up going to, like, the Wild Mage area that we never ended up yep, doing? I did. <laughs> yes, me too. That's yep. the first. I was looking at it, I was like, ooh, that sounds exactly where we need to go. No, no, turn around. Yep. Yep, had the same thing happen. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we're not doing that. I should have, probably. I did. The reason <laughs> I, that I uh, uh, recruited Nero was to do that. <laughs> and then I forgot, <laughs> and then I was like, I'm not doing it. So sorry to everybody. Maybe I'll do. I have. I have save. Luckily, I have a very uh, intensive number of save games for this game, and so uh, I could always go back and, and do it by popular demand. If you really want to know about it, you let me know in the comments, and I will go back and do it for next episode. I want to see just video of your save catalog using the Dewey Decimal System. Just like they're all like it's all just like desolate. Like it's it's all these long form numerical saves that with a system only you really understand. Oh well if it's an odd save, that means it was at night. One point one one oh seven P thirty nine mm-hmm. point uh nineteen ninety nine. Yes. Yeah. Good God in heaven. We're getting I so know. close to the end of this game. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> I see that here in the show notes you've put Ron Paul uh, in there. It's very sad that he was finally uh, extradited back into the United States based on what Jill Stein, you know, decreed. Well, the problem is, that, and the, that's the one thing we didn't realize, is once you set a precedent for if you're accused of crimes against humanity, you always get extradited, all it takes is one leader like Jill Stein to just start throwing out that accusation like candy, right? Ron yeah. Paul, Crimes Against Humanity. Uh, Bob Vila, Crimes Against Humanity. That that fellow from the Iron Chef, Crimes Against Humanity. 
Oh, dang, the Iron Chef himself? The Iron Chef himself. From yeah. the original 1990s series? No, his son. Oh, okay. Don't speak out against the regime. <laughs> well, I feel like we were all warned, so. Yeah, yeah. In we, any case. We all knew. This is, in fact, a, a Baldur's Gate uh, show. So when we, so I guess you give this lantern thing that we don't understand to this person, and I, I teleport over somewhere. I ask questions before we teleport, and Elon's like, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm not answering your questions. Am I being detained? And then we teleport away. <laughs> so look, this is the, this. Is, so that that is exactly what happens, right? You're like, <laughs> here's the thing. I would like a little bit of information about where we're going, and he's like, all right, I'll tell you something. And then any question you ask, he's just like, I'm not telling you. Yeah. And it just reminded me of like a bad dungeon master. Mm-hmm. Right? So where you're like, well, uh, you know, what is the shape of the city? And they're like, well, you don't know the shape of the city. And it's like, well, what kind of enemies will I find there? And they're like, you don't know what kind of enemies. Roll, roll knowledge. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You don't know about the enemies there. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like... like uh, Whoever the quest designer was for this section of the game was not talking to whoever the quest designer was for Sultan Esselar. Mm. And they were like, well, they'll figure it out. They'll do it. The, uh, or it's just a very good simulation of a DM that lacks improvisational skills. Um, so, so why did I get this? Um, I, I'm not allowed to tell you that information. I'm not. I can't tell you. I'm signed, I signed. I signed an NDA. Oh dang! That's the worst. That's the worst kind to have a, a DM who has signed an NDA about your own campaign. Yeah, some real shit. So we, I teleport to a tree, and then yeah. they rub the lamp, and a door appears. Yeah, Robin Williams flies out. He's blue as hell, yeah. and he's like. I, don't, I can't do a Robin Williams impression, but imagine I'm doing one. Just shout as loud as you can. Ah! Like that? Yeah, and through your hands, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you do, and a hole appears, and I click on that hole, and uh, a little cutscene plays. Yeah, kind of similar to the cutscene we saw uh, going to the uh, asylum, and mm-hmm. the cutscene we saw as we went into the Underdark, where it's like an overview of the area, basically. Mm-hmm. Like three, a 3D render of sorts. Um, which I have to imagine that had to have been made after the level was designed, right? Yeah. Or did they make that and then they ma- design the level around that video? I think they were probably done last. I don't know okay. why. I don't know why you would wait. Or, you know, I don't know why you'd do them first. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because they actually really do, unlike a lot of games of this era, they really do correspond to things you can see. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we roll in there and we're told... Yeah, it's. We're told, yeah, elvish bodies everywhere. Elvish bodies everywhere. Elf it's bodies a, everywhere. It's a real problem. And the but the one thing before uh, before we we cross the threshold into this into this doorway, the fellow that is leading us in that has rubbed the the magical lamp says, oh, it's been so long, I can't wait to get back in. And I just felt, I very much felt like these people are actual children, and like once they are, once they leave home, they can't get back without somebody helping them, without the help of an adult. And I know that we've gone over the fictional reason that 
sold an SLR is a is is a hidden city. Mm-hmm. But you're telling me you can't you don't even like know the 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 like the foyer the you know the metaphorical uh, magical foyer where you would go to, right? No. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, great. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. But it's get... almost like it. I mean, the the only way I can make sense of this, it's not even an illusion that's hiding it. It's that it's not there. But yeah. So, did you find Soldan Esselar uh, a, a chaotic romp of 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 just rampage? Did you did you see the dead bodies? Uh, yeah, I saw a lot of dead bodies. They were everywhere. Yeah. I saw some elves get killed. Mm-hmm. I accidentally got some elves killed on my own. Oh no! Uh, what I thought was interesting is when when we so we first come in and there's uh, what's the guy's name Elan? I Elon? believe so. Um, so he shows up right, or he's like in the little he he walks through the vestibule with you, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got like a couple. He's got like a wizard with him and and a priest or something, some a party member, some party members. And uh, he's like, listen. There's Roxashas here, and they've done illusions and whatnot, and they're bad. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's interesting, like, this isn't really remarked on, but Irenicus has really created a broad coalition of different people. A coalition of the willing. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, truly. I mean, <laughs> uh, definitionally, it is, in fact, a coalition of the willing, of those mm-hmm. who are willing to invade uh, ostensibly... Uh, civilian city mm-hmm. um but yeah so it was like dark elves right it's some mm-hmm. demons some demons show up here yeah demons he's got rakshasa he's got i don't know if golems are a part of the coalition of the willing no i, I think they're his they golems right yeah because uh, remember he had all those golems in his dungeon all the That's way back right. in episode one that's but, right. But yeah, I just thought that was an interesting uh and vampires too, I guess, but they're not they're not here, but that was part of the coalition mm-hmm. initially. So, I mean, I think that's interesting, uh, especially given the how uh Siege of Dragonspear is integrated into this whole story, right? So, he got sure. to see that broad coalition of the crusade. Ooh, you think that's what happened? That he kind of got the idea from uh the character we can't remember her name. Kalar Argent. I can remember Kaylar it right Argent. now. There you go. We couldn't um, do that last episode. Yeah, I just I can't. This is the only time I've ever been able to to pull it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. But I think that's like a Siege of Dragon Spear kind of opens up opens up the world in that way, right? Sure. To think about those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was who else? Cool. I mean, goblins were in the dungeon, the first dungeon. Mm-hmm. Dwaygar are in the first dungeon. Yeah, they didn't really show back up, I guess. Which is disappointing. Yeah. Well, we murdered all of them in the coalition. That's true. There were only six. Yeah, six it's guys. like it's it's like in the Iraq War when there was like one attack on Liechtenstein's regiment, and they were just well, that was all of them. Dang, I don't know if they were in the coalition of the willing. Mm-hmm. So so yeah so yeah, there was a lot of chaos going on. There were a lot of instances where I was walking down a path, and it seemed like I aggroed a golem from like a different path. Yes. And it, like, whipped around behind me. Mm. I couldn't tell if that was on purpose or not. I think I had that happen with trolls, and they just started wrecking people's stuff. And I think if I didn't aggro them, they wouldn't have wrecked people's stuff. Hold on. You had trolls here? Yeah, there are two trolls in the bottom middle. I did not see a single troll. Mm. They may have killed them. 
You think you killed them in your game and then it got rid of got rid of them in all games? Yeah, I killed them so hard <laughs> that they they were deleted from all instances of Baldur's Gate. Damn. You can't even corroborate that in walkthroughs because they don't exist in the walkthroughs, even walkthroughs written before I played this game because I killed them so hard <laughs> that they that it went back in time and deleted them from ever being programmed in the game. It rippled forward and backward in time. Because you got to um, remember, I've, I've still got that three-headed flail that like every form of damage it deals kills trolls. Yeah, I still got that too. Uh, it's real disappointing to hit things with it and for all of the damage of all types to be... Uh, for enemies to be immune to it. That's a real mm, bummer. That's got to be the real fun of uh, attacking an adamantite golem. With oh, it. God, yeah. So <laughs> so let's talk about some of these the enemies. So there's Roxashas, mm-hmm. and they're, like, in groups of four and five. And yes. they, they, they just, like, cast, uh, like, area of effect, uh, making making life uncomfortable spells and, like, fireball and whatnot. Sometimes they cast protection spells on themselves, like a form of sanctuary, the kind, mm. the most annoying kind, the sphere, maybe the globe of invulnerability. Mm-hmm. Minor globe of invulnerability, probably. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that thing is annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a hard time with them. There were some golems. There, there were like iron golems and adamantite golems, um, who are just a real, real stomp on the foot because you, you'll hit them and i'm sure that balthazar sees this too but it's like mazzy hits them for uh three 28 resisted mm-hmm. you got to remember i've got calm crom fair mm. and it just kills golems oh and just one whack it kills all golems in one whack except adamantite golems and adamantite golems can't seem to figure out whether because i'm using that as a hammer, and I'm still using uh, the katana. Celestial Fury. Fury. Celestial Fury. So I'll be looking, and occasionally it'll have that message like you just talked about. Oh, hits for three, 28 resisted, right? Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and I'll be disappointed. I'll be sad, right? Uh, but I'll also occasionally hit them for the full amount of damage, and it won't resist. Uh. And I don't know if... Chrome Fair's like effect is only partially affecting, you know, interacting with these golems, but eh, difficult to know. They still die pretty quick, though. I wonder if it functions the same way that Magic Resistance did in uh, in Second Edition, where it's like a roll on a G one hundred up to their resistance. Mm. Like if it's like, I wonder if it's actually rolling numbers as opposed to taking it as a given or not. Yeah, it sounds like that's probably what's happening. But yeah, the golems I, I could see are annoying, especially if the you don't have a quick way to deal with the adamantite ones. They hit pretty hard. They hit super and, hard. They hit for like and, 40 in, in a while. And a lot of these golems haste themselves. Yeah, I think all of them do. Mm-hmm. Or at least uh, all of them that I dealt with at like my level, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So like what we're supposed to be doing here, like we're supposed to be wandering about. It's actually really somewhere. unclear. Yeah, we're specifically tasked. I was by a, a healer in the middle mm-hmm. with saving an elf with an R name. Yeah, yeah, I've got, hold on, I've got them both here. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what we got from Elan. And he said to look for Elisame or Demon. Demon, okay, so we're yeah. looking for Demon. So I think that's what my, so eventually I find Demon's house and I, I roll in there and she's being attacked by a bunch of Rakshasa. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
These Rakshasa, I think, because of plot reasons, don't cast a lot of the annoying... The most annoying things they can cast for me are those Globes of Invulnerability. Uh. It just means I have to attack somebody else while that's active, or <laughs> run away and then come back when it's gone. Mm-hmm. They don't do that, and I kill them all, and Denim's real thankful, and she's the one that says, hey, in order to get inside the palace, which at this point I had already passed across the palace and, and tried to open the door and it didn't work out, in order to do that, you got to find these three artifacts. So can I tell you how I learned about the three artifacts? How'd you learn about the three artifacts? So I go in uh, to Demon's little room. The Roxashas are there. There's a little bit of dialogue that happens. And then they begin casting, uh, like, the make-your-life-a-living-hell spells, right? So these area mm. of effect. Uh, Save or suck, as we as we remember it. Ah, uh, Yes. The classic, the classic save or fra- suck. The the Shakespearean phrase, <laughs> save or suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that's in Romeo and Juliet when uh, uh, the Lord of Cats says uh, mm-hmm. that Romeo must save or suck. A plague on both your houses. Save or suck. Save or. Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I go in. They they cast all these spells, and so I just leave. Right, yeah. like I do a little bit of the fight, but like everyone is taking a huge amount of damage, so I just kind of leave. And I keep like poking in and out, and I'll like go outside and I'll heal, and then I'll poke in and like do a magic missile and come back out. And Dimon just eats it <laughs> while while I'm doing that. Oh damn! Yeah, she just dies. And I was like, uh oh, that that might be bad, uh, but it wasn't. So on her body, she had a note that was like, hey, you gotta get all these artifacts. It's like a grocery list. Yes, it was like, well, it's written as a letter, and it's like a panicky letter. It was to someone that's like, oh my god. The they're in the 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 not the palace but like in the temple, and the artifacts are out there and we got to get the artifacts but I don't know where they are and here's what they are and like has the list of them. Are there actual historical equivalents to this phenomena? And you also see it in Lord of the Rings, right? Like that scribe that was writing and they're banging on the door right now. <laughs> boom, boom. Right? Is there? Has anything ever happened in history where people actually wrote? in those situations i mean i'm sure that it has happened mm-hmm. but but what I, like you know <laughs> just because the the sheer number of times humans have done horrifying things to other humans is so high that that, that at some point somebody with a pen and, and some paper has, has just had nothing better to do <laughs> exactly as um, it was happening and so but but i think that probably what would happen 99 percent of the time is that someone would find it and burn it right Mm-hmm. Like you definitely don't want to give someone you just conquered, like a a riveting tale of their heroes dying. No, right. So. That's the whole point of of murder, is you you're, you're destroying a story. Yeah, there are a, a lot of instances of during the Russian purge of writers writing narratives about like being afraid of being purged and then hiding it, and then it being discovered. Mm. Like later into the Soviet Union years, so mm-hmm. I, I guess they're like that's not quite the same thing, but there's some of that, I guess. Join us next uh, Blue Monday for a uh, for our you know bi monthly discussion on uh, historical uh, purges and basically like the historiography of tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy! So, did did you find these MacGuffins? I did go find them all. So I I didn't really understand 
well, let, let's name them. There's a Moonblade. The Moonblade. Do you do it's you remember? Three. Do you remember the Moonblade? Yeah, from the first game. Oh no! They're in the bottom of the Neshkel mines. There's an elf that you can recruit, and he has his own Moonblade. It's like oh, tied well, to his character. That's a Moonblade. Yeah, yeah. Not the. But I'm just saying there is another time that a Moonblade has showed up in these games. Yeah. So what's the definition of a Moonblade? I don't know. Probably the fucking moon. Do you have to like, you just have it. to forge a, a sword during a full moon and then it's a moon blade? I bet. Someone please tell us in the comments about what the hell a moon blade is. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to look it up. But yeah, one would assume, right? Or maybe it's like this is my this is just pure speculation. I don't know anything about moon blades. This is what I think. <laughs> okay. You forge a sword out of silver. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a silver sword and uh when you quench it in like oil and then water later, mm-hmm. right? you are reflect it's a full moon and it's reflected in like the oil or the water or whatever mm. and you quench it in the, in the literal moon and do some magic on it and then that's how you get a moon blade that's oh, my darn. just pure speculation yeah somebody in the in, in the comments is gonna fully elucidate this yeah someone will let us know and we will mm-hmm. appreciate it um there's a cup a goblet of life i think is what it was called I called it a cup in the notes. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a goblin. And then, like, the talisman of... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> of the Leaf Lord. Rillafane. Mm-hmm. The Leaf Lord. Mm-hmm. Which definitely sounds like a professional wrestler. Absolutely. Like, the, a bad one, right? It's like the Jolly Green Giant <laughs> versus the Leaf Lord in the Battle of the Century. Oh, that's really redundant. <laughs> Well, but you gotta. That's the thing. They gotta fight so you can determine who gets to stay in the league and who is who made redundant. To, who gets to like maintain that portfolio? That's oh my god. That would be a very good one shot. Is that somehow you know planar overlay or uh, cross planar travel something? The Jolly Green Giant is transported into a fantasy world, and then there is like a Ragnarok to determine who gets to control plant life. I just think that that concept needs to be, you know, moved into professional wrestling more fully, right? The notion of the portfolio? The notion of the portfolio. Like, the million-dollar man, uh, there's another wrestler that com- comes onto the scene, and he-, he also is very rich. And they're like, no, there can only be one. <laughs> there can only be one, like, filthy rich wrestler. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and, and you can just, like... And when you win a wrestling match, you absorb that other wrestler's portfolio. Oh, my God. So, eventually, like, there's a million-dollar man, and he's, like, a lucha libre. Mm-hmm. And he's good at... He controls snakes. <laughs> and he controls snakes. <laughs> he just won. I mean, what are you going to do? And then, like... Uh, so, like, the end game of all professional wrestling is just... Uh, it's just a couple of <laughs> of just these these super wrestlers that are super thematic and and they have like seven different unique things and then just the unwashed masses that have nothing they're just dirt farmers mm-hmm, but they're trying to get one portfolio they're trying to just get one portfolio they're trying to do like a limited challenge look if i if i can pin you for a two count i at least get the snakes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i get to just be generically irish <laughs> that's just what i want i'm i get to be the one who wears a cowboy hat <laughs> yeah and chaps. Mm. Um, 
Well, WWE, hire us. For yeah, your let next us know. Video game. I, you know, we're still waiting on that callback from Beamdog to <laughs> uh, to write our various different scenarios for the next uh, isometric game. But so we're available. Yeah. They have not. They haven't called dibs. So we're out there. Yeah, but they get priority, of course. Sure. So the Moonblade, you go into like a location, and I will be honest. I think I started checking my phone halfway through this. I don't mm. really know what happened. So there's a demon and an elf there. Yes. And the elf says, and this is the most anime um, <laughs> exchange between these two characters. It's very much uh, Goku powering up on one side of the room and Vegeta on the other, mean muggin, mm-hmm. powering up also. I I am going to smash you, puny elf. And then the elf says, no, you will not smash me. I have the moon blade. Oh, well, I will take your Moonblade. I'm going to smash you, and then after you're dead, I'm going to take the Moonblade from you, and you won't have a say in it because you'll be dead. And the guy's like, oh, but what if both I and you are dead? Well, uh, no, I'm not going to let that happen. And then he, like, and then the elf looks at the Moonblade. Moonblade, show us your power. And then they both die, and the Mm. Moonblade's just left behind. And I snatched it up. You just picked it up. Yeah, that's the easiest MacGuffin to get. It really is. And then mm-hmm. the the second one is the Goblet of Life. Mm-hmm. And it's held by a dragon named... I killed this dragon so fast, I don't. I never was exposed to its name. Its name is... Uh, is that really the name? Nizadramanyanyet. Perfect. N i z i d r a m a n i i apostrophe y t. And I know I that I hate it that we have to live in a world where they're going to be. What is Arya now? Probably the third most popular name for a, for girls. I, it's probably very popular. Yeah. Yeah. How many children have been named after Baldur's Gate dragons? That is the real tragedy. These That's millennial. The real- <laughs> Just monstrous people who are just having children willy-nilly, naming them Khaleesi, naming them Jon Snow, naming them Kurt Eichenwald. None of them have named their children. Or Fear Crag, or even Fear Crag. Good lord. Well, here's our pact right now. Yeah. The first of us who has a child will name it Fear Crag. I feel like this is just a bet that's uh, that's gonna end up with neither of us having children. Yes, <laughs> this is this is the ultimate vow of celibacy. <laughs> if you know, well, I'm sorry. You know, I I would have a child. Uh, you know, I I know that we're planning our uh, next, you know, the rest of our lives together. Um, but but I have made a bet. <laughs> yeah, I've and made I'm a promise. Pretty sure, and I'm pretty sure Consulman's not having a kid. So. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, well, here's little baby fur crack. <laughs> but, but yeah. So the reason I know its name is that I have my, of course, Baldur's Gate Two: Shadows of Om, uh, perfect guide, mm. verse, created by Versus Books, and I had to look at this goddamn thing because I spent <laughs> a full hour trying to kill this dragon. Oof. People get to see some great highlights of that probably right now in the video, mm-hmm. but um. But let me tell you, like, this was the, so I, you know, I, I tried for probably 15 minutes and I was like, all right, there, there's got to be a way to, 
to do this maybe more easily. And there's got to be a better way. There's there there must be a better way. And uh, there's not. <laughs> that's that's the <laughs> end of that. But uh, but this is this is what it says. This is perhaps the least helpful information I've ever received from a strategy guide that was not the Final Fantasy IX strategy guide. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so when you approach the dragon, you'll have the choice to either trade him all of your belongings or fight him. So maybe that's an interesting thing to find out. When you walk up to him, he says, all right, well, Irenicus is going to give me a lot of gold to keep being an asshole and hanging on to this uh, goblet. But if you give me every magic item you have, you can, you can just have it. Mm. Which isn't really that doesn't really work out, right? I don't think that I don't know if the game would be completable. Yeah, it would certainly be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so then, so that's that's uh, bullet number one. That's a no go. Unless it's all the magic items on the main character. No, it's everyone. Yeah, I guess you could go back to Joaquin's promenade, lay down all of your items. I, actually, so later on, when I read down to the bottom of this very page, it says you could just throw all your items on the ground mm. and do it, uh, which I did not do before. Um, but the second bullet point here, here says, when you prepare to fight him, do all the obvious preparations like haste, aid, chant, armor, shield, and whatever other protection shield spells you can conjure up. Those are all, like, level one and level two spells. Yeah. They are not helpful. <laughs> like, even remotely helpful. Really? Like, it, he breathes acid. <laughs> Aid will. doesn't stop acid? No. <laughs> Aid just gives you a plus one on saving throws. Well. So it's really just like, uh, well, uh, there's a giant man-eating spider that lives in the tree, and so make sure that you have bug spray <laughs> on your body. <laughs> So, uh, so you don't get eaten by the giant man-eating spider. Yeah. Anyway, this might have this might have been the intern at Perfect Guides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This was the last. Uh, but, um, but yeah. So, so I finally killed him. It took forever. What did you have to do to do in order to succeed? I had to like create. Okay, you want me to tell you like my really shortly my my grand strategy? Yes, and sing it to Beyonce's formation. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Um. I summoned five Mordecanian swords. Mm. I gave them all haste. Mm-hmm. I moved them all to the very bottom of the screen, and then I moved a character inch by inch down the screen so I could make sure that when the dragon spawned in finally out of the fog of war, that I could immediately surround him with the swords. I turned off all my characters' AI. I lined all of my wizards up in a big firing line as if they mm-hmm. were part of... Uh, like a British war formation in 1770. <laughs> okay. And then I had the swords begin attacking the dragon. When the dragon began casting self buffs, I just went wizard to wizard and had them cast like pierce and uh, remove magic and all the, you know, uh, Kelvin's warding whip, all of those things that remove spell protections. Just on a rotation. Like five seconds offset for each wizard. Yes, basically. Uh, mm. So there was something constantly interrupting spell protections. And I, until the end of the fight, I basically got it down to half health that way. And then and then brought in Viconia and Jahira. So they weren't even part of the fight for a big chunk of it. And that was how I did it. Dang. Yeah. No one died. 
Oh, good for you. Yeah, first dragon fight where well, no one died. Well, the dragon did. Well, the dragon died, but no one no one in my party. Didn't really drop anything important other than that cup. No, I, yeah, I can't think of, of anything that mm-hmm. dropped. Um, but we're kind of beyond that, you know, at this point. We are. We are. Of, of things that matter that drop. And then I guess the last thing was this talisman that was that just had a puzzle, and the puzzle, uh, in order to access it, you had to like click a fireplace or something, yeah, or some kind of altar. And it said, "Hey, you could probably go upstairs to figure out the solution of this riddle." And I said, "Nope," and I just started clicking until I got it. Well, it just worked out. Yeah, it, it was just fine. The first answer was the uh, the elven war deity. Corellian, right? Yeah. Yeah. Corellian Lutheran or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you, uh, you see that drow? That no. was like hanging out in front of one of the things? No. He summoned, uh, he had a demon with him? Oh, that's right. No, I murdered him. Yeah. I didn't realize he was a drow. Yeah, I just, he just had like some funny dialogue. He was like, uh, why, hello there. Uh, I see that you're wandering around. I guess I should tell you my monologue. And he like monologued about everyone, uh, Having to be indoors, and then then he summoned a pit fiend and I killed him. Mm-hmm. Drow are well known for their support of curfews. Yes, that's that's mm-hmm. in fact a big part of uh, the third Drizzt Doer novel, mm-hmm. which I have finished. Ooh, we'll have to talk about that on the next Patreon podcast. We'll talk about that. There, I, I got a lot of uh, I got a lot of strong feelings about the way the Forgotten Realms treats religion, like as a in, in a general setting sense, versus how those novels think about religion, which is very very different. Mm. Yeah, so worth worth talking about. That'll be on the Patreon podcast. If you want to hear us talk about that book? Uh, go subscribe for five dollars a month. So when we get all of the MacGuffins. Mm-hmm. We take we can take them to the little temple, yeah, and throw them in a pool, yes. And then something happens. What happens? So so explain what it was like for you to do this whole thing. I threw it in, and a big fuzzy golem appears. Well, well, hold on, hold on. Okay. So you, you when you go into the temple, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of stuff in there, right? There's oh, like, there's a bunch. Of, I had already killed all these people. Yeah, but but the first time you go in, there was a wizard, right? There's like a wizard, yeah. a giant adamantium golem or adamantite mm-hmm. golem, whatever they are. One um, of those demons with like two snakes on their back, mm-hmm. and then a rock Sasha. Yeah, right. So it's like kind of like the heavy hitters of this this whole area, and they're all yeah. there together. And I immediately uh, go to the guy, the wizard, mm-hmm. hit him once, and then leave, and then rest, and then go back in, mm-hmm. and then kill them all. So, I went in there one time, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna. This is like the big kind of end of area battle, right?" So I, I mm-hmm. avoided it until the very end, when I had all the items that I had to put in there. And then, because I waited to the very end, I read a section of this guidebook that says, mm-hmm. "If you, this is the very bottom of the page, it says if you postpone this battle until after you've acquired all three artifacts." You can get one of the coolest little cheese effects in this game. Ooh. Try this, colon. As soon as you enter the room, place the artifacts on the altar. And then watch the avatar make chunks out of all the enemies in the room. Sweet. So, yeah. So, I had all my people hasted. I went into the room. You know, there's the wizard like like we just mm-hmm. talked about. That's all there. And I just, uh, Chicklevar just sprinted to the thing, threw all the crap in the pool, and then 
a big fuzzy golem appears. Mm-hmm. And by fuzzy, I don't mean hair. I mean he's just out of focus. Yeah, he's like he's a god, mm-hmm. like a, lit- a, a literal avatar of a god. Much like Sasquatch, deities just you can't really get a bead on them. Yeah, hard to photograph. Mm-hmm. Uh, just not not great. But yeah, Rillafane, the Leaf Lord, the the Lord of Leaves. Yeah, and so he shows up and he just smites them all to death. Mm-hmm. Like they just they evaporate. They're gone for good. And then and he, for me, he summons nature spirits. Hell yeah, and they start cleaning out the rest of the city. And every time he speaks, it begins with two asterisks, and everything's in all caps, and then it ends in two asterisks. I love that when a god speaks in this game, it's like you're trying to get a lot of attention in an <laughs> AOL chat room mm. in, in 1999. Mm-hmm. Like you're RPing. Yeah. Yeah, it's very it's a very weird effect. You you could think you would think they would be able to like change the color or something, right? But maybe not. Maybe the maybe the dialogue system was not that robust for Baldur's Gate 2. Sure. But what does he he kind of gives us gives us a lot of information. Yes. So what uh, do we learn? Well, if you didn't know it already, you learn that Irenicus and Bodhi are the exiles. Have we already spoken about exiles? No, no, we didn't. So he would tell you that, but you can find this out before by talking, I think, to Denim. Yeah, yeah, by talking to someone. I mean, she died, so I didn't find it out that way. But yeah, yeah. someone else can tell you. Uh, basically, Irenicus and Bodhi were once elves, and uh, they did something terrible. Specifically, what they did was they attempted to uh, steal energy from the life tree around which Soldanessar, you know, has formed or exists. And the life tree is kind of there, the elves' connection to divinity itself. It's their spiritual connection in the world. It's very important to them in, a, you know, a, a soteriological sense, I gather. Uh and when Irenicus attempted to sap energy, to drain energy from this tree, many elves got very sick. And when they found out that he was responsible, they, uh, the, the elves and the, the leadership of, of these elves, including the queen, uh, tells, uh, tells Irenicus, you, you can't be an elf anymore. And they just remove his elfdom from him. Yeah. And thus his immortality. Yeah, the gods. The Celadrine. Yeah. yeah, the Seldarine. Seldarine, yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. They literally stripped his, like, species being from him. Mm-hmm. Which is just uh, some real next-level shit. Yeah, that's uh, that's the real... And, and I think that uh, the queen... And what's the queen's name? I don't remember her name, but yeah, the queen of the elves. The queen of the elves had a thing with Irenicus... Like it's 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 said by Denim that even she turned her back on him when he did this thing, even though he had her favor. Yeah, my right. my impression because they have a conversation a little bit later on, and I kind of got the impression that he might have been like king of the elves. Mm. Like I got the impression it was that because she, they they talk about loving one another. Yeah, I think it was more of a, he was a consort. I think she was still the the political power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, kind of like 
the English queen and then the prince or whatever. Yeah, like Prince, yeah, prince Charles. Well, no, no, that's a, that's her son. <laughs> the well, there's all, I think there's also he's also Prince Charles. Oh, good mm-hmm. God! Yeah, Come on, Britain, well. get your shit together. Yeah, sorry. Um, but uh, yeah. It, well, what's interesting too is that the Queen of the Elves is the person that uh he was trying to clone all the way back in his dungeon. Remember he's making all those clones that were elf women? Yes. He's trying and to we, make facsimiles of her. We also um remember that he had detained three uh nymphs mm-hmm. and he references that later in terms of trying to spark his inner elf, his his like ability to love again. But that's that's that was stripped away from him also in this punishment. So anyway, he's back for revenge slash to finish what he started, which was draining this tree. And what is this divine entity's relationship to that tree? Is that clear to you? The Leaf Lord? Yeah. He's just one of the Seldarine. Mm-hmm. Like he's literally he's like Helm. You know what I mean? Like he's just a god. Mm-hmm. But he I think this avatar in particular just has the protector function Mm -hmm. right so he's related to the tree in the sense of he's related to that divine energy whatever space but so these elves are immortal i don't know if they're i don't know if they're immortal Uh, i think they might be yeah i mean D &D elves are not immortal right no they aren't they're you know hundreds and hundreds of years but not immortal um Anyway, I wonder if, like, is it all elfdom Unclear. that this game is saying Unclear. that is related to this tree or just this particular type of elf? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I would assume this particular type of elf. Otherwise, this just doesn't make sense in relation to any other Forgotten Realm property. No, 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 no. So in any case, uh, this pers- this divinity is like, yeah, I can't actually help you defeat Irenicus, but I can't open the door to the palace. Oh, can I, can I say one additional thing here, though? Yeah. When the Seldarine come up, Viconia does have stuff to say about the Seldarine. Ooh, what does she say? Um, I it's nothing too specific. It's not like there's plot information to it. But mm-hmm. she what the structure that they are referring to about divinity and the Seldarine and the relationship to the elves, she recognizes it too. So it's at least bigger than this one group of elves. Ooh, like whatever this divine connection is. But yeah, he just opens the door for you. Mm-hmm. He summons a bunch of spirits of nature around the uh, level that help you defeat any remaining enemies. Yep. And so... That that also happens. Yeah, you gotta, like, run back around. I didn't have to run back around because I already collected them, but there's, like, a stone horn and a stone harp. Yep. And so you go through the door that he opened, and you go and, and you, like, put the horn and the harp on a statue, and that, like, creates a little spiral staircase and uh there are some nuts on a tree in like a garden and you gotta do that and you gotta get these nuts because you use the nuts to like create um passageways between branches Mm -hmm. very very weird very weird design stuff but what is interesting here you wouldn't have gotten this but before i went down the spiral staircase and the game very clearly is like irenicus is in the next area this is you're getting close to the end of the game. Just be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Like game is very, is very kind of heavy handed. I did get that. Yeah. So you got that. So I got that one as like my main character. 
But mm-hmm. then, alongside all of those, I got a little um, conversation with each of my party members that was like, uh, I was basically giving them the option to like leave if they wanted to. Ooh. Yeah. And none of them did, of course. Okay. But yeah, it was like, uh, it, basically there were like three dialogue options. One was like, um, I don't want you to have to come with me. And one was like, if you want to come with me, then you can. And, but it's very dangerous. And the other one's like, well, here we go. So mm. it was kind of like allowing me to, to set the standard of each, um, of the expectations, I guess, of each. Uh, what standard NPC. did you set? I mostly just said, oh, here we go. Because <laughs> I didn't want them to leave, you know. Yeah. I wanted them to, to keep on going. But they were all very positive. And we went down into like, it's kind of like the lower branches of the tree, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that what you would say this is? Yeah, I mean, it has to in order to make sense geometrically. Because you go into this palace, the quote-unquote palace, and you see the dimensions of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I imagine that entrance area where there's the tree and the fountain that you go down the spiral staircase, you have to be going a level below in this tree house. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're just going below the 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 platforms that make up Soldan SLR proper and you're you're kind of going towards the middle of the tree. Yeah. Yeah. And down in there, there's like all of these big branches and then smaller branches. And the idea is if you have the nuts in your inventory, that when you get to the end of the big branches, it creates pathways to other ones uh, in a very organic and and weird kind of way. But there are these big, um, I don't even know what you would call them. I mean, they're parasites, but they're like bugs, I guess. Exactly. Mutant bugs. Yeah, I mean, they look kind of like weird onkegs, to be honest. Mm, Yeah. They got like four big arms, but they yeah. are, they're sapping the energy from the tree, and so you have to kill them, but when you click on them to kill them, it, they summon elementals, and so you have to defeat the elementals. Um, Which, that's, yeah. you know, that's pretty common in the insect world. Yeah, 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 that is the, the dung beetle's uh, classic mm-hmm. defense. It creates mm-hmm. its big ball, and then a fire elemental falls Little around. Little mephits pop out. Yeah, steam mephits. Mm-hmm. Oh, poop mephits. Oh, damn. There's got to be a poop method, right? Mud method? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so Irenicus is like in the middle of this zone, and the Queen of the Elves is also here. She's like talking to you in various different times during this uh, whole little thing here at the end. And she's the person that tells us, hey, you've got to kill the parasites before you fight Irenicus. Yeah, it's very, um, like, boss fighty. Yeah. You know? like a boss fight that takes up the whole area and he's got like a globe of invulnerability around him and he's like sucking all the energy up but when you pull the final parasite down the invulnerability globe goes away and you have a long conversation where he kind of explains all the things that that we were just talking about right yeah and he he directs most of the conversation to his former lover the the elf queen um there was a part of me that just really I, I wish the evil characters had the opportunity to just stab him in the back while they're having this lengthy dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let Viconia just club him over the head mm-hmm. and be done with it. Yeah. But, uh, so how did your Irenicus fight go? Um, yeah, it was pretty easy. He, uh, he time stops and then casts, like, clone. Not just, uh, illusion. It's, like, a clone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, simulacrum. Yeah, uh, so... 
I just said, I, this, this doesn't seem like a good situation. So I ran away and zoned out and then zoned out of that area back to sold an SLR proper, rested, went back in, and then berserked, uh, hasted, and then just attacked him and he died. Because I think that like once they do their time stop, they can't do a time stop again. Mm, the classic stopping the time stop maneuver. Yeah, you just if you get around time stop any any enemy in this game that can cast time stop, if you can engage them in a way that does not allow them to cast time stop, they are not that difficult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's I think some time. There's cast time investment in time stop. I yeah. believe. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't do it quite that way. Mm -hmm. um, we just started wailing on them. I had a couple summoned monsters. I had like a fire elemental. And we did a really good job. I was, you know, spell piercing him and, and warding whip and all these other pierce magic, all that stuff. And uh, we're wailing on him and I get him down to one pip and then he time stops. And he doesn't cast simulacrum when he time stops. He casts... Uh, like two delayed fireballs and then mm. ice storm, I guess is the name of the spell. So he went offensive. Yeah, he goes offensive with AOE, AOE attacks. Mm. And so that kills Nira. And so everyone else just ran away. And as I was running away, I was uh, uh, summoning monsters behind me. I was like stopping and summon a monster and keep running and summon a monster and keep running. So he was like blowing through his spells. And eventually, eventually, I think someone shot him, and he died. But, That's uh, more dramatic. It was a very dramatic. Like, I ended up all the way on the right side of the map to do it. And Nero was dead, and her equipment was on the ground. And it was, like, you know, a pretty, pretty heart-pounding, because, you know, it's the end of the game. You know, this is the final big boss fight for the end of the game. There's no more game after it up until throwing a ball. So I was like, it doesn't matter if someone dies, right? Like, this is the, the whole thing. And then, when he hits the ground... Um, there's some dialogue that's saying like, uh, uh, I didn't feel my soul come back. Right. Cause it's the whole reason we're trying to find Irenicus or one. Yeah. And you see, you see the animation of like a, of a, of a ghost, a soul leaving his body, mm -hmm. the spirit leaving his body and the dialogue, or the, or the message the game's giving you says, yeah, you feel your soul going the same direction. That soul just went that you saw leave Irenicus. Yeah. And then, uh, there's a cutscene. And then we woke up in in hell. In hell, yes. In hell, in the nine hells. Doesn't specify which of the nine. Uh, let me look. You want me to look at my guidebook? Sure. <clears throat> I mean, it might specify later, but. <clears throat> it doesn't say. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it's just it's it's Judeo-Christian hell. It 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 it, it kind of is, right? It kind of is, mm -hmm. and it's uh what ends up being, I think, a pocket plane, or, or kind of mm. like a personal plane, a ball uh, plane. But uh, we'll talk about that next time on what oh, will man. be the final gameplay episode, at least, of Baldur's Gate Two: Shadows of Bomb. Oof! From Ages of Mermaids. I'm excited. Yeah, we're, I'm excited. We're getting there. Uh, I want to give a real quick update, too, that uh, the last time that I picked a spell, uh, I, when, when Ticklevar leveled up, I picked a spell, I picked Simulacrum, and I got a comment on the YouTube video that said, why the hell did you do that when you could get Horrid Wilting? 
which just mm. annihilates things. And I was like, well, I think Simulacrum would be cool. And I stand by that. It has been cool. It's actually been quite useful so far. But this time, uh, this time when I leveled up, I was like, I'm going to get Horrid Wilting. Mm. And I clicked on the wrong thing. And so now I have power, or no, I have symbol stun, which seems absolutely That's- useless. That seems way worse than, like, a, a spell that's just uh, save or stun seems objectively worse than save or die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Horrid Wilchain literally pulls all of the moisture out of your body. Mm-hmm. That's the description. So, uh... Useless against sand elementals. That's the one weird trick to never <laughs> hurt a sand elemental. Moms hate this. Sand elementals love it. Water Doctors elementals hate, hate it. this one weird mom <laughs> who knows to protect her children with sand elementals. Uh, no one likes that. No one likes the wizard mom with sand elementals. No. All right. But yeah, I think that was. I think that was this. It's hell next. We're going to hell. We're just going to hell. Episode thirty-seven. You you've heard it here first. You can uh, hit the like button on this video. If you haven't subscribed yet, please go ahead and do that. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, leave a comment. You can see all that down in the description below. And if you want to come hang out in our Discord and talk about Baldur's Gate or uh, Dark Souls or uh, PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds or any of the other various things that, that we are interested in, you can come do that. Uh, and you can see that down in the description below. You can also contribute to our Patreon if you want to listen to our other show or read our monthly newsletter. Both are quite good. We put a lot of time and effort into those. Um, and that's as little as $1 a month or $5 a month. It's good. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you again in two weeks with the final episode. Mm. Mm. Ciao. A wonder.